Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Recorded live. I mean, 
I'll, I'll quote Mike Johnson today on the Taz show. Unless there's a Hail Mary miracle before midnight tonight, they're done. Like, they don't even want the Hardys to come to the tapings this week to drop the belt, which is what the Hardys offered to do. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. A part of really? me is, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, a part of me is uh, is, is a little happy. It's something that uh, needed to be done. Um, for quite a while now, uh, TNA has been, um, when they were on Destination America and, uh, you know, now they're on Pop TV, uh, the product has been has been good. But it's like a part of them has been unwilling to to truly sort of start over, and it's a scary compromise because it's like um, like when you look at Ring of Honor, it's a bunch of new talent that a lot of fans don't know. So it's like you 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 watch it and you're like, who are these guys? So it's like when you keep when you keep big names around then it, it leaves something for a casual fan to at least sink their teeth into. And for the longest time, TNA as a company has kind of continually relied on the Hardys. And it's kind of like in order for them to truly like kind of start over and, you know, really try to get a new thing going at some point, they're going to have to, you know, they can't be there forever. And, you know, for the knockouts division, it's Gail Kim, and then, you know, there's a few, you know, relics here and there, like Abyss and James Storm, but the Hardys are definitely the standouts. You know, they they've definitely have kind of, I won't say they've over-relied on them, but they've made it a point. No, they have. Hmm? They have. They they have over-relied on them. Yeah, uh, yeah it depends, you know, like uh, like the tag team scene. and uh, I, mean, I mean, they've done good, of course, but especially the Jeff Hardy thing. So if they're gone then this is really going to be like truly TNA kind of like really, because really once, if the Hardys are going to be gone, then um, really it'll be uh, the only really people left that they, in my, in my eyes, because James Storm and the best, they're there, but they're not pushed to a level where it's constant. Uh, the only real relic left would be Gail Kim. And then once Gail Kim is gone, then it will truly be like, them starting over, and mm-hmm. I, I can definitely get why they are afraid to do that, but I think it's it's long overdue. Um, I get what's going on here. Like we talked about it yesterday, when Paul Heyman was doing business with TNA a few years ago, he made that comment where he said, if he had been running TNA from the Hogan Bischoff regime, he would have put focus on that Motor City Machine Guns beer money best of seven series that they did mm-hmm. during 2010. And he basically made the comment where he said that TNA would have been a youth movement and pretty much. I think except for like Sting and Kurt Angle. Right. Like yeah. Those, he would have, those two guys, anybody else, what was it? Over 35 was going to be gone. Right. And if, you know, so everybody was like, you know, on their knees, well, all the fans were on their knees saying, Oh, TNA should have taken Heyman and blah, blah, blah. But when he made that comment, I kept telling folks, so basically based off of Heyman's logic, that influence would have been gone, and they were easily one of the most entertaining acts the company had at the time, kind of kind of similar to what we just saw recently end with uh, Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens. And so, you know, Paul Heyman, he's smart, but like basically on his logic, you would have gotten rid of your most entertaining act in the company. Yeah, but that, Heyman, Heyman would have been smart enough to realize, and I, and I get the fact we'll that he made that statement, you mm-hmm. know, oh, 35 and above, you would have been gone. 
except mm-hmm. for Sting and Angle. But the one thing I'll give Heyman, as far as those guys go, he probably would have kept them. Yeah, but you know, I, I you bring. Know, them, I, 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 but I know, I know, I get why you're bringing that up because if you go by his words, they would have been gone. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, so obviously that didn't happen. But they still took his advice because they started pushing the bromans, who were a good team. You know, Jesse mm-hmm. Gollers is a good is a good talent. Jesse uh, Robbie E is a good talent, and as a Robbie tag e is team, so underrated. Yeah, he's very good. They're both very good, very good. Yeah. Uh, but they weren't as good as Bad Influence, but still. No. So, you know, Bad Influence, they saw the writing on the wall, and, and so they left. And even though it was sad, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was very sad, but at the same time, it was a necessary move because Daniels and, and Cass were kind of like how the Hardys were. They were two guys that TNA had, had over-relied on, especially with the X Division and the Tag Team Division. So um, that's kind of how it is with the Hardys somewhat. But here's the thing with the Hardys, and, and I know you and I were kind of getting into this yesterday a little. I think the Hardys, this is a totally different thing. If they didn't have the Hardys, that company's not around right now. That that broken angle? I, I don't know about that. They still had a lot of good things going. They had the Destroyer yeah, Lashley, who, which was one of the best. Who was angles. watching it? People were who watching the Destroyer Lashley, though. That was a good thing they had going. I don't know. I, I don't know if Bobby Lashley puts a company on his shoulders by himself and can carry it. And no, you know, I think I, so. I think the, I think what they had last year, they had Destroyer Lashley, they had Eli Drake, and they had Broken Matt. The Broken Matt stuff was what gave them publicity. The Destroyer stuff was what gave them an interesting main event scene. And the Eli Drake stuff, that was just silly, goofy stuff. But I think the Destroyer thing was very good. That was one of the no, best. No, I'm not saying it's not good. I'm, I, I enjoyed, you mm-hmm. know, I was pleasantly surprised when he beat Galloway. What was that at Slammiversary last year? Mm-hmm. You know, when when it when, you know, if you go by traditional booking logic, he had had such the upper hand on on Galloway going in that you thought Galloway was going to beat him, and he he pretty yeah. much made Galloway pass out clean. Mm-hmm. You know, and and he he dominated everybody heading into Bound for Glory. You know. I get what Jared's doing, though. I mean, it's probably like you said yesterday. But it's probably I was, a combination of anthem. Here's the thing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because Jeff Jarrett's – I'm not a Jeff Jarrett guy. I'm far from it. I, You know, whatever. But I don't think this is all him. I've seen him taking the bullets. I don't think this is all him. I understand creatively there was going to be an impending issue between – Matt having the creative control and Jarrett bringing in Dutch Mantel, Scott Demore, him being the end all be all of creative like Vince's. I know there was going to be a showdown with that eventually, but I don't know if Jarrett wanted them gone. You know, Jarrett took a big chance on Jeff in in '03. You know, when Jeff was just first released from WWE, and there was a lot with the drug stuff, and Jarrett still brought him in and put him. You know, even on the weekly shows would put him in some big spots. And when they got to Fox Sports the first time, when they were on, like, Friday afternoons, Hardy was a big part of what they were doing with AJ and Jared and Hall and Nash. I don't know if Jared wanted them out. I think Jared's going to take the beating for this. But from everything I've seen, it seems like Anthem, besides all the shenanigans, and we'll get into that, 
But I, I think this was more of an anthem call. Yeah, it probably was. That's what happens when you have a, a bunch of new guys come in. That's kind of been the story of TNA, always changing, always changing. You're looking for something stable. Yeah, I mean, yep. Jared strikes me as a smart businessman as well. I mean, as a wrestler, he's kind of eh, but as a businessman, you know, I think he's smart and, and he realized what, you know, the importance that the Hardys had for TNA and stuff like that. So, um, you know, but it is what it is. So we'll have to see what happens. Now, I do know that the Hardys, they still have obligations elsewhere. I, I know they're, work, they're working that Ring of Honor, uh, Super Card of Honor show on April 1st. And they still have a bunch of uh, indie dates to do in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt no, is, April. Matt is, April? Yeah, April. Yeah, they are uh, not taking anything after May. Okay. Matt is, is one of the more uh, reliable, uh, uh, I guess the word I can say, it. Uh, he's one of the more reliable, uh, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, uh, WWE indie talents. Like you have guys like uh, Matt Seidel and uh, notoriously Alberto Del Rio, who will, who will say, I'll perform for this indie promotion on, say, being theoretical here, March 5th. But then, like, the day of or the day before, their agent will, like, cancel or, like, something comes up. Uh, Matt is one of the few guys that's worked for, like, a big company. And, like, he'll say, I'll work for this indie promotion on so-and-so day, and, like, he's there. I've never heard a story of him, like, no-showing. So he's pretty reliable there. So I think that... He'll work, uh, you know, whatever he wants to do and and stuff like that. Uh, again, it's a very scary proposition for TNA, but at the same time, like, I, I, it was a move that eventually needed to be done. Um, one of the things that they always did that that kind of made me roll my eyes for the, like really the past four years, it's like literally every time around January, <laughs> they would have to find some excuse to write off Hardy because they would have to go to the UK and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it's like, damn, man, like just, you know, so if the Hardys are truly gone, then I think this is really, you know, really the time for them to actually truly, like, move on because now it's like. Yeah, but I think the ironic part thing is I think this January, January of 2018, I think that's done. (laughs) Wait, what what do you mean? I think the the ban, I think it was for seven years. Oh, okay. I think the irony in all this. So that was the limit? That was the limit? He's done. <laughs> oh, so that was a limit. I, I never knew it was like he was banned for a certain amount of years. years. Okay. Yeah, I think it was seven years. Well, to Jeff Hardy's credit, he seems to have matured a lot. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, so I, I give him credit. And they I'll do say honest, a lot of that is the fact that Matt, Matt's been around him more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be honest, man. A lot of, it's, it's hard to admit, you know, it's hard to, you know, change your opinion on someone. When Jeff did what he did those years ago, I was very mad at him, um, but over the years, uh, he earned my respect, uh, and I think probably it, Jeff Hardy's legacy for me in TNA is that he's proven that he could be a good wrestler. He had a lot of great matches with guys like oh, yeah. basically half the dudes in WWE now, like Aries and yeah. Rude and AJ, and, and the list goes on, so he had a lot of good wrestling matches, and Matt Hardy pretty much proved that we always knew that he's a crazy motherfucker, but you know, it, it all works out for the beginning and stuff like that. So uh, really, at this point, the only thing that's really left is is Gail Kim. Um, from what I understand, she's pretty much good. I know she's married to what's his face. I forgot the guy's name. The cook dude. Robert Irvine. Yeah, Robert Irvine. You know, so she doesn't really need a uh, uh, TNA or wrestling in general. She just kind of sees it uh, as a hobby. 
Um, I've already talked about how I feel about Gail Kim. Basically, the Gail Kim story is kind of like uh, you work at a job, and then when you work at that particular job, it was the manager was incompetent and the workers were incompetent, so you're like, I'm going to leave. So then years later, you find out that that same job that you were at that was bad, all of a sudden it's got a competent roster and it's got a competent boss. So, mm-hmm. you know, from your point of view, you're like, well, when I was there, it was shit which is true, it was, but sometimes it's just how it is. So really, when it comes to Gail Kim, one of two things needs to happen. She kind of needs to kind of, you know, swallow her pride and admit that things have changed for the better, or someone, you know, whoever's in charge of recruiting female talent like, you know, Triple H or, or you know, Vince, I'm just being theoretical here. And this particular scenario, I'll take Triple H. Someone like Triple H basically needs to be like, hey, look, when you were here the first time, I wasn't in command, but... Now I am in command, so I understand, like, with the first time, things didn't go well for you, but under my leadership, under my watch, things will go better, you know. So it's kind of similar to CM Punk, sort of. So it's like yeah. Gail's too proud to do that, and from, from the WWE standpoint, you know, even though Gail would be a valued asset to the roster, they're probably like, well, you know, Gail, she's a good roster, she's a good talent, but she's not, like, a big name like Lita or Trish. So from their point of view, the problem, they're probably the like... The problem with Gail is, from what I understand, is, there's still a lot of bad taste from how she left. The fact yeah, that she, yeah. like, threw herself out of that battle royal, then pretty much walked in the back, grabbed her bags, and said, yeah, you know, done. And, and that's like, a, I, I've heard that. Yeah, that's that, a, good, that, that's a good piggyback, right, to the whole Beth Phoenix thing, because we can talk about that. You know, the truth of the matter is, you know, that, that era, you know, and I know Jay, he gets a lot of heat for it, because he's one of the few dudes out there that just, like, he, he straight up says that he doesn't care about women's wrestling, Jay still has the mentality of, like, the 90s. All he cares about is just seeing hot chicks. So he's never cared about women's wrestling at any point, whether it was WWF, WCW, ECW, TNA, NXT. He doesn't care. All Jay wants to see is just, like, like, uh, evening gown matches and just cute (laughs) chicks, whatever. You know, that, that period of time, like, you know, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, that was probably one of the weakest eras uh, in WWE uh, yeah. history for women's division. It was that just, transition era. Yeah, it just wasn't good. Uh, Beth Phoenix, she's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And uh, firstly, I just want to say a, f- a few things about that. A lot of folks are saying that, um, uh, a lot of folks are saying that, uh, oh, well, Beth Phoenix was the shining gem full of dirty cruds. And when people say that, I'm like, get the fuck out. Because the, the talent that was around, the talent back then, I, I guess I remember this better because this was like when I was a college student and I used to watch it in my dorms all the time. During that period of time, like 2010, 2011, the talent they had was fine. In fact, you could argue that the amount of talent they had then was better than what they have now. They had Gail Kim. Mm-hmm. They had Beth Phoenix. They had yep. Melina, they had Michelle McCool, they had yep. Layla, they had Alicia yep. Fox, they had Natalia. That's a pretty yep. solid roster right there. And, and, you then, know, and you forget who was on the sidelines. They had Eve Torres as well, and she got better. You had Karma. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they had a they had a pretty solid roster. The problem was is that during that period of time, the staff as a company they didn't care to give the woman. No time like they give them now and they were pushing basically chicks that couldn't wrestle like kelly kelly over all of them and mm-hmm. but but if you took away kelly kelly and if you actually gave those chicks time to wrestle like they get yeah. the t- like they get now 
that roster would have been fine. I remember, I remember quite well. Like I remember, like there was this one. Uh, you know, I, I've told this story before. Like during this period of time, I was in uh, college, and so we didn't have. I didn't have USA, but I did have like WGN, which was the channel that okay. Superstars then came on. I was just gonna say, wasn't Superstars on that? Right, right, right. And I remember Superstars. Uh, all I had was I watched Superstars, and like you know, sometimes on Superstars they would show like highlights of Raw and SmackDown. Right, yeah. right, right. So that was really all I had. So for Raw and SmackDown, I would usually like have to like go to, to another friend's room that had USA, or like I would just look up whatever I could on the internet or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember like on Superstars, the cool thing about Superstars back then is you know, and there's some fans that watch Superstars and Main Event and stuff like that, and fans are like, oh, well, why do you watch those shows? Like they're not important. Well, I agree they're not important, but one of the main reasons why I would watch shows like that back then that was your way is, to catch up on Raw. Yeah, not, not just that, but you would actually see, like, undercard people, like, wrestle, like, 10-minute matches to see what they mm-hmm. could do. And I remember there was this one match I saw. It was, like, Layla versus Alicia Fox. They wrestled, like, a 10-minute match. And I was like, they could both go. I remember there was another match they had. I remember I, I remember this vividly. This is what this is what I remember, and I, and I know this is exactly where Gail Kim was upset. I remember Gail Kim and Maurice having a match. And I vaguely recall them having like a Divas title match like at Elimination Chamber or something like that. I think it was like Elimination Chamber 2010 or something like that. And I remember the match went like three, four minutes, and then they had like a rematch on uh, Superstars, and they had like a 15-minute match. So I was like, you know, like, wow, like these chicks can go. And they they just never got the TV time. So I feel like a lot of wrestling fans just don't recall. There's a match hidden on a SmackDown, and... I'll be damned if I can remember the time frame on it. It's Beth Phoenix versus Natalia. Mm-hmm. I think I know that. Was that the one where they were, like, in her home? Where they were what? Was that the one when they were in her home, her hometown? I think so. Yeah, I remember she, she hit her finisher on someone, and, and the person kicked out. It was like a 10, 15-minute match, right? Yeah, it was her and Natalia. Yeah, it was Beth and Natalia, and it was like everyone came out of that like that has to be your Divas title program. But it wasn't. You know, <laughs> yeah, and it was like right. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, like Natty turned heel. Mm-hmm. See what happened? Was like, like, see, see what happened was I can people that that I I gave that era a pass because that era had a lot of good chicks. It just you know wasn't... who else you forgot was in that era? Yeah, the beginning of AJ. And you had uh, Caitlyn. Yeah, yeah. See, I can tell you when the era got bad. When the era got bad was, like, those years I just mentioned, like 2009, 2010, 2011. Like, the talent was there. It was just the booking yeah. didn't care, and it was like whatever. When things got bad was, it was like from the late 2010 to early 2011, it was like, a lot of the good chicks, one by one, started to leave. Leave it, yep. Gail left. Yep. Then Mickey James left. And then yep. Melina left. And then they had the karma thing, and then that didn't work out. And when the she karma thing, and then when the karma thing didn't work out, that was a huge blow because mm-hmm. they were going to focus the whole division around her. And yep. so then after karma left, Michelle McCool retired. And then after Michelle McCool retired, Layla kept having an off-and-on knee injury, which took her out. And then so it was like they lost Gail, they lost Mickey, they lost Michelle, they lost Layla, they lost 
Kong and Karma. And so it was like what you were left with was, oh, yeah, and then Beth Phoenix left too. Then Beth left. So then after that, they had like Natalia, who they've always been off and on with. Then they had Eve Torres, who was getting better. Then you had A.J. Lee and Caitlin on the side. And then the Bellas came back. And then you Mm -hmm. had like Kelly Kelly. That like that like late 2011 to 2012. That's when it really got bad. That that's that's the era where I'm like, okay, this was pretty bad because during that period, they started pushing the Bellas again, and they weren't that good. Uh, Eve hadn't gotten because Eve didn't really start like coming into her groove until like late 2012, like during the whole rock scene thing. Right. That was when she started getting good. AJ and Caitlyn hadn't really established themselves yet. Um, that was like a really weak period. I, I think mm-hmm. I, I remember the match in particular that was kind of like, I think it was the realization of how bad it was. I think it was like WrestleMania 28. It was like Kelly Kelly and Maria, some some that Maria Marino's chick uh, versus uh, who did they fight? That was they fought, 28. Phoenix and somebody else. It was probably Natalia. It had to have been Natalia. No, it wasn't Natty. They it wasn't. Uh, no. They, was it Eve? Was it Eve? No, Eve turned in the um, the general. I'll look it up for you right now. It wasn't okay. Eve. Uh, it was definitely Beth. Uh, I'm looking it up. <clears throat> I know it was Beth, but it wasn't Natty, and it wasn't Eve. Eve turned on Zack Ryder d- during the uh, general manager match. Mm-hmm. I remember that was like the third match on the card. I can't recall who the partner Hang was. On, I'll, though. I'll tell you. Okay. I'll tell you. Hang on. Just just give me a second. I'll. I'll I'll get there. Beth Phoenix and oh wow, it was Eve Torres? Okay, Eve, okay. Eve did double duty that night. Okay, she did. She did double duty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that period of time from like late late 2011, 2012, 2013. That was like really when I would consider okay, like this division was. It was. I, I hardly ever use this word, but during that period of time, that's when I would say like this division is ass. So uh, the whole Beth Phoenix thing. Um, she's a good talent. I think really the problem is is that when you ask a casual fan, hey, what female do you think should go in the Hall of Fame, uh, you would hear names like Miss Elizabeth, China, Victoria, Sable, and then somewhere like on their fifth, sixth name would be Beth Phoenix. Yeah. She's not the first person that you would think of. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, basically well, her whole... Here, here's the thing, though, with that list, <clears throat> picking it off name by name. China... Not going in. We've gone over this a million times. She's not going in. She's not. Well, Stephanie McMahon herself said she's going in. So, yeah. It's easy to say that when the person dies. And I'm not saying this to be, make fun of anything, but you know what? Make that statement two years from now. Oh, I, there's no doubt in my mind you know she'll saying? go like, in. He, but I, I, have a feeling I don't know about she, that. I have a feeling when she goes in, it'll be like Randy Savage. So... Which which kind of pissed so, off fans. I don't know if China's going in. I, I I will I will I will sit there and say you know what. The fact I'll that Sunny's still in. on that one. Sunny's still in despite all the stuff that she's done and There's the things that she's said. Though. There's a big difference though. The stuff she's done and the stuff she said. She has never gone after Vince, Hunter, or Stephanie, and even more so. She has, She never accused Hunter falsely of anything, and that's the difference. And that's that's why. And like I said, didn't she pawn her the, Hall of Fame ring, Hall of Fame ring no, or something like that? That ended up not being her. It ended up being Paul Bearer's son. Oh, that sucks. Didn't one of them die? 
Yes. Ah. Yeah, I ended up watching. I remember that. There was a whole thing all over that. Oh, it's going to. And she was saying, That's it's not sad. me. It's not me. It's not me. And, you know, if Sonny tells you it's 3.30 on a Tuesday, I'm going to look at my clock and my calendar to make sure. <laughs> but she kept saying, it's not me. It's not me. It's not. And every every dirt sheet said it. It's going to be her. Even the preview said it. She's still done a lot of bad things, though. Like oh, the whole yeah, Sky yeah, yeah. Thing. She's, still, she's still a piece of shit. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but yeah. I'm sorry to hear about Paul Bear's son, though. That sucks. Yeah, but it ended up, I watched the episode, because I like the show in general. I like watching all that, you know, yeah. stuff that people bring in, you know. And it turned out, yeah, it was one of Paul Bear's sons that brought the ring in. And, like, <laughs> she went on. And the problem, see, the problem with somebody like her you could say to me, John, didn't you say Jay's a jerk on Facebook? And I could tell you, no, I didn't. And then you could go back, oh, shit, John, you know what? It wasn't you. Yeah, no problem. I told you it wasn't. She went on the only fucking ass-kicking tirade <laughs> after, as soon as that episode ended. And the problem is the people that are on her page are the biggest fucking marks for her. They really are, and it's just like, you think the Naomi people are bad. <laughs> Have Sonny actually be proven right about something, and watch how bad these idiots are. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it was, yeah, she's, she's a piece of work. But getting back to the diva thing, it's not going to be China. Like I said, you, if the day she gets in, I will be the first one to say I was fucking wrong. Oh, I think she's oh, getting in eventually. I'm just waiting. Elizabeth, the problem is who does it and who what accepts it? Well, that's the problem. That's what happens when you wait so right. long to right. put people in. They should have put them in together in 2014. She should have went in with him. Mm-hmm. She should have. Okay. Victoria? Victoria might be coming back, so they're not going to put her in if she's going to be active. Mm-hmm. Give me, give me. Who else did you say? Um. Oh, Sable. Sable is the other one. Sable probably go in when Brock goes in. Yeah. Okay. So you know she's tied to him. Who else you got? Oh, those were the ones that I named as an example. Yeah. So they. So it becomes best so. by default. It becomes best by default. Yeah. You know, you can't put Mickey in. Hang on one second.
apologies about that, fans. I guess JCD is busy for a moment. Um, but yeah, the reason I was bringing up all those different um, females that was around during the you know the the late 2000s period, you know 2009, 2010, 2011, is that I just I just hate this idea. I, a lot of wrestling fans they just don't have good long-term memory. They just don't. They look at Beth Phoenix and it's like, oh, she was the only good diva that was around back then. Like that's not true. Like they had a plethora of good talent. It was just that the creative at the time they just didn't care. Like. Um, you know, like Jay, for instance, he likes Kelly Kelly, and, and you know, no disrespect to divas like Kelly Kelly, but like literally the term diva piss break, it came from her because that's how oh, yeah. Kelly Kelly was. You know, I remember a lot of people would leave. I remember like live reports of fans leaving during Kelly Kelly. Oh yeah, yeah. WWE had live events in my area. I remember like there was a Kelly Kelly match where I would see a lot of fans leave. So I mean, the the, the term piss break has been around for a while, but. It I went to a, sh- I went to a show at the Nassau Coliseum and she was on it, and and I I I didn't pee. I, I I'd be lying to you if I said it, but I think I was. I think I saw the Divas match. I heard the music for whoever it was. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go grab a soda. I'll be back. Within a minute, the vend the vendors, the bathrooms were packed. Yeah. You might as yeah. well have had a 12 minute intermission. Yeah. You know, so it's like it doesn't matter. Like you can have a talented roster, but like if the creative books everyone like crap, then everyone's going to be bad, and and that's kind of what happened. Now, Molina, she you know had a big mouth and she got herself in trouble all the time. Yeah, Molina was more attitude than anything else. <laughs> but just, but despite her attitude, she was still a good talent that was you know could have a good match, and you know so. You know that was what happened with her, Michelle McCool. She was you know done by 2011. You know, so she was gone, and then Layla always had off and on knee issues, mm-hmm. and so she was gone too. Gail just was frustrated with the with the direction they were taking the woman in, so she quit. Then there was Mickey James and the Mickey thing. That with Mickey being in WWE now, it just shows you how things have changed. Because you know, at the story at the time was that they felt that Mickey was overweight and fat. Nowadays, you look at chicks like Nia Jax, which just shows you that they've totally changed their mindset on that. So that stuff, like, you know, the whole weight thing, that alienated Mickey to leave. So it was like one by one, just all these bad creative decisions and a mixture of divas having, you know, bad attitudes just caused a lot of chicks to leave. And you had Natalia, who was hot and cold. She's always been a very good talent. I've always said Natalia's kind of like the female Dolph Ziggler. It's like, yeah, she's talented, but... Creative has been so hot and cold with her creatively that it kind of makes a lot of fans not really care or invest in her because they right. know that fans are not going to – they know it's not going to lead to anything. And so, like, that just kind of narrows it down to Beth. So, like, this idea that Beth was the only chick, that that's, that's bullshit. Like, the whole roster back then was good. Yeah. It was just creative, didn't give a fuck about women's wrestling at the time, and that's just the reality. Oh, hang but, on a second, all right? Okay, cool. But uh, you know, that's pretty much all I got for the uh for the woman's thing. You know, so Beth's going in, you know, it is what it is, it's cool. Um some would say she uh didn't do enough to go in, but really I mean it's it's the Hall of Fame. It's not as it's not as uh legit as fans would like you to believe it to be. Uh a lot of times fans when people go in the Hall of Fame it's political, but a lot of fans don't wanna acknowledge that because by acknowledging that you're pretty much ruining the credibility of the hall of fame so you know it it is what it is but you know i I think what we can do for the hall of fame is 
we'll wait until the class is full, you know, until they're finished. And then one by one we can go over each accolade of the person and, you know, how fans perceive them and whatnot. But I'm not really a Hall of Fame guy, if you haven't noticed. I mean, I couldn't tell you he was in last year's class or the year before that. You know, I, to me as a wrestling fan, I don't need you to be in a Hall of Fame to tell me you're a good talent or whatever. Like, if you're a good talent in the ring, I'll always remember you. I don't need you to have a Hall of Fame ring to remember that. So, And there's other wrestling Hall of Fames, too. Like, you know, there's there's different different magazines and different podcasts have, like, their own Hall of Fame and stuff like that. So I'm not too crazy about it, but, you know, it is what it is. It's whatever. So um, I'm happy to see someone like Teddy Long, you know, finally get some acknowledgement for all the things that he's done, though. So, you know, that's cool. All right, so in some other news, uh, what I'll do is I'll just talk about some of the stuff that happened at New Japan Ring of Honor on a rising until JCD comes back. Uh, they're starting to plant the seeds to a bullet club implosion, and we'll just have to see where it goes. Uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan, on a rising is just uh, it's one, it's one of the, to Ring of Honor's credit, they've toned down a little bit on the uh, New Japan cameos. They've started to focus a little bit more on their own talent. So it's just kind of a show they do where uh, – well, on a rising is where Ring of Honor guys travel to Japan, whereas like War of the Worlds and Global Wars is when the New Japan guys come to Ring of Honor. So that's the difference. You know, you have a different culture difference depending on who's going where and stuff like that. So uh, the show was pretty good. Uh, it's not like a must-see, but it was a, it's a good show. Uh, the War Machine had a good showing at the Honor Rising. They defeated the Gorillas of Destiny in Night One. I'm sorry, they defeated. The Young Bucks, the current Ring of Honor Tag Champions on night one, and then they defeated the Gorillas of Destiny on night two, and they pretty much made their statement saying that they're in Japan to win the IWGP Tag Team Championships, but in order for them to do that, that basically means they would have to spend more time in Japan and less time in Ring of Honor, so I don't know what this means. Uh, we've seen this before. We've seen Ring of Honor guys temporarily start to perform more in New Japan, but then they end up enjoying it more in Ring of Honor, and then they end up leaving. You know, so we saw this with Elgin, and we saw it with Matt Seidel and stuff like that. So I'd be a little nervous if I was Ring of Honor, but, you know, the Gorillas of Destiny, they look really good. They've improved. They're definitely one of the most improved uh, workers out there. Uh, Tonga Tonga in particular is really good. He just he just looks great, uh, great in ring worker, stuff like that. Uh, Don Castle, uh <laughs> Dalton Castle, uh, he did his usual boys thing. And the cool thing about Dalton is I've noticed that whenever he works like PWG or New Japan, uh, his boys change. And so, like, whoever he's teaming up with will be his boys. So, like, I remember he had, like, a PWG match at the end of 2016, and he was teaming with uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. And Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish were his boys, so that was kind of funny. Uh, in this match, uh, Tanahashi was his partner. And Tanahashi was one of his boys, and Tanahashi went all out. He wore the same outfit, and he had to fan and, and everything. So, I, you know, one of the things I like about Tanahashi is he's one of the top names of New Japan, but he doesn't take himself too seriously. So he's willing to, like, do silly stuff to help other guys get over. So that was pretty entertaining, stuff like that. Uh, Cody is finally getting some direction, you know, after months of him just going from company to company. He's finally getting something going. If you guys remember when Cody left WWE, he wrote down the list of names he wanted to fight, and 
one of the guys on that list was Shibata. So we had a tag match with, uh, I believe it was Cody and uh, Hangman Adam Page versus Jay Lethal and Shibata. I believe Lethal and Cody are going to have some kind of match at uh, Supercard of Honor. I think it's like a bull rope match or something like that. So when the match starts, you know, uh, it starts with Lethal and, and Cody in the ring, and then Cody basically tells Lethal to move aside. He says that he wants Shibata, and then, like, you know, so Shibata comes in. Uh, Cody, <laughs> Cody got a receipt. Uh, he tries okay. to... Okay. Hmm? Sorry, oh, sorry yeah. about that. Oh, it's okay. So uh, uh, Cody, he tried to uh, spit on Shibata. Uh, you could tell Cody's not really that familiar with how things work in New Japan, so he tried to spit on him for heat, and Shibata just tagged him for real and legit KO'd him. It was funny. You could actually see... Uh, Lethal tagged himself in and pushed Cody out the ring to give him time to recover. So that was kind of funny. Uh, though the big story that happened at Honor Rising is the is the tension between uh, Omega and uh, Adam Cole. What's going on right now between them is uh, they're kind of doing this Batista Triple H thing. Uh, one of the more memorable segments I remember uh, from uh, Batista and Triple H was, uh, my memory is, I think what happened was, I think it was like some type of bet they did where they bet on who could beat their guy quicker. They both had, like, singles matches on Raw mm-hmm. or something like that. And Batista beat his guy quicker than Triple H beat his guy. And Batista asked for Triple H's money, and then Triple H told Rick to pay him. And then Batista was like, no, I want your money. And I got all serious. And Batista was like, oh, I'm just joking. Like, that was a funny moment. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what's going on with uh, with Adam Cole and Omega. So I think the main event was uh, Adam Cole and Omega versus the Briscoe brothers and Omega came back and was basically received like a baby face. That was the weird part because he was, he was cheered the whole time. He actually got a louder pop than Okada, which was interesting. And so they had their match against the Briscoes. Now, anyone that hasn't seen Adam Cole, Adam Cole was known to be a little goofy. You know, he does the whole, Adam Cole, baby. Like, that's just his thing. So um, throughout the match, Adam Cole kept, he wasn't taking the match seriously, whereas Omega was. So, like, when Omega was going for a tag team move, Adam Cole was just too busy doing his Adam Cole thing. And so as the match went on, you could visibly see Omega kind of looking more and more annoyed at, at Cole. Every time Adam Cole was in danger, Omega would save him. But, like, if Omega was in danger, Cole just kind of wouldn't come in the ring. So it just kind of built and built and built. Eventually, uh, Adam Cole and Omega did beat the Briscoes. And so Omega was, you know, doing a promo saying that he's back in Japan and that Japan is his home and stuff like that. And Adam Cole takes the mic from him, and he's pretty much like, well, this could be the year of Omega, but the year of Adam Cole is already going. Now, Mega takes the mic back, and he's pretty much like, this is Japan, <laughs> they don't understand yeah. you, blah, blah, blah. I kind of basically told Cole to fuck off. So then the real tension came the next day, where uh, on day two, Adam Cole fought Yoshihashi. Now, last year in 2016, a lot of times, whoever wins the G1 uh, has one match, where the briefcase is on the line. Omega had a match against Yoshihashi last year, and, and he beat him soundly in about like a 10- to 15-minute match. So Adam Cole... Uh, I believe the day after uh, Wrestle Kingdom New Year's Dash, there was like one of those multi-man matches, and Cole got pinned by Yoshihashi. So Yoshihashi had a match with Adam Cole for the Ring of Honor title. And uh, Cole basically, uh, Yoshihashi took Cole to the limit. Cole was hitting all his moves, and he just couldn't put Yoshihashi away. And finally, after he let the, uh, the knee guard down, he hit the last shot one last time, and he beat Yoshihashi to retain his Ring of Honor title, and so what happened in the in the in the post show when they were being interviewed, they were interviewing Cody, they were interviewing the Young Bucks, they were interviewing Omega, 
they were interviewing Cole, and uh, there was more shade being thrown where uh, they asked Kenny Omega, like, hey, you know, how are you feeling, you know, after winning two nights in a row? And as he was talking, Adam Cole interrupts, and he's pretty much like, well, you know, I'm the only member here that defended a title tonight, and, you know, I did a good job. I defeated Yoshihashi. And then Kenny Omega ever so strategically says, yeah, you beat Yoshihashi, but when I beat him, it didn't take me 20 minutes. I beat him in 10 minutes. And, and then Adam Cole just looked at him, and he was like, yeah, well, I am the only member of the Bullet Club that has a singles title, which is true. He is the only member. So they were just kind of going back and forth. And then Cody's kind of like at the middle, and he's like, come on, guys, don't worry about it. Like, at the end of the day, the Bullet Club won, and that's all that matters. So you can see Cody's playing peacemaker. The interesting thing, though, is like when Omega and Cole have these exchanges, the Young Bucks aren't saying anything. They're just kind of sitting there which is kind of really interesting because it's kind of like, hmm, who are they going to choose? Because they're always with Cole and they're always with Omega, so it's whatever. Uh, speaking of Omega, the, what happened in the main event was um, Omega and Okada, they started the match at the beginning, and it was the first time they were both in the ring since Wrestle Kingdom. So fans wanted to see them wrestle again, and Okada basically tagged himself out. So I guess they don't want to give away anything like on a on a regular – well, this wasn't a regular show, but I guess they just didn't want to just give it away like that. Mm-hmm. So when Okada tagged himself out, uh, the fans actually booed him, which was interesting. So I'm not sure if they're going for like a double turn because when Omega came back, uh, it was uh, – you know, he, he was basically received as a face because he was a heel going into Wrestle Kingdom, and I guess that match was so good it turned him face and uh, – uh, so Okada tagged himself out, and so it was a good match, and Omega and Okada, like, barely touched each other, and if they did touch each other, it was usually, like, you know, one of those group spots where, like, everybody's outside and, like, someone hits a suicide dive or something, so obviously they're saving. They don't want them to touch each other until the eventual rematch, so. Uh, the Which, bracket... by the way, speaking of the rematch, mm-hmm. I don't think he's beating Okada anymore. I, 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 I think I'm going to be dead honest with you. I think it's going to be Cody. I, I just get this feeling. I think the fact that Omega only signed for one year and, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty with him, and I don't think, you know, New Japan wants to do this again in December and January. I, I think it's going to be Cody. I think Cody's going to get that shot at Wrestle Kingdom 12. Okay. Or okay, 13, well, whatever the, whatever the yeah, we'll see. number will be in January. I, I, I really think Cody was sharp all week, the two nights. Oh yeah, yeah. He's not, that Omega, much not that Omega wasn't. Not that Omega wasn't. Oh, he's, he's, just, he's getting much better. I think he's starting to adapt to the New Japan style yeah, a little I, bit I, better. I think he's coming into the role, and I, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna. I really am getting this feeling. It's gonna be Cody. Well, uh, at, I got at, the brackets in front of me. Um, they revealed the brackets for the. Uh, the New Japan Cup. Now, the New Japan Cup is different from the G1. Um, I don't know all these names. Let me go over some of them. Uh, Yoshihashi against Sonata. Uh, Omega versus Ishii. Uh, Juice Robinson's in it. Uh, Suzuki Gun against Shibata. That would be a crazy match. Uh, Elgin versus Bat Luck Fale. Uh, Tanahashi versus Evil. Um, those are the names I recognize. Uh, right now, the idea is uh, uh, the New Japan Cup is a tournament that will be taking place during the month of uh, March, March, March 11th, March 12th. Um, okay, the, the the round one matches will be on March 11th and March 12th, and the quarterfinals will be on um, March 15th, March 13th, and March 15th. And so the semifinals would be on March 19th, and then 
the finals will be on New Japan Cup on March 20th. So the winner of the New Japan Cup is then able to challenge for uh, the uh, IWGP title, I think like at a show in the summer. And um, so Omega could win this cup in the summer, and then he could challenge whoever the champion is, and he could win that. But then by the time uh, Wrestle Kingdom comes along, he could have already have lost the title. But uh, uh, right now, just based off these names, uh, I see a lot of fans are saying they think the finals will be uh, Omega versus Tanahashi. Um, they're pushing yeah. e- they're pushing Evil pretty good. Um, I could I, I could totally see that. Didn't you say Elgin like signed with Evolve? Yeah, so Elgin Elgin might be a one and done in that. <laughs> yeah, the big names I'm looking at right now. I know New Japan likes Sonata. They like Sonata. They like mm-hmm. Evil. Tanahashi's yeah. just there to put folks over. He's Tanahashi, yeah. Uh, uh, Juice Robinson, a.k.a. C.J. Parker, he's getting better, uh, but I don't think he's, but he's not at that level yet. yet. Yeah, not yet. Probably like this time next year he might be yeah. there. Um, so, yeah, I could totally see Omega and um, and Tanahashi oh, in, in the finals, probably. Yeah. So, um, Cody being in, uh, probably that's that could be your match. What you could probably do is you could probably have Omega beat Okada and then probably a Wrestle Kingdom match could probably be Omega versus Cody as a way to get him out. Or you could somehow have Omega win, have him lose the belt uh, by Wrestle Kingdom. And then Would you, you have do... Cody win the G1? Yeah, you could do that. You could do that. Yeah. I mean, it, it could definitely work. So. Um... Yeah, I, I just I came out of these last two days, and I can't explain it. I, I can't tell you that I was even sitting down and thinking about it. But I just I came away from everything and I said I was like you know what I said Cody's gonna Cody's gonna win the title at Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, that'd be good for him. Unless something drastic happens and he goes back to WWE, which I, I don't see happening. But that's like the only re- way I could see him not mm-hmm. getting the title back. That's that's the only way. Mm-hmm. I, the one I, thing I, I think I can predict for sure is that they're probably saving if, if Omega's gonna win. They're probably saving it for when uh, they come here to America. Yeah. Well, whatever Which show that. Maybe that be. will be the maybe that will be the the payoff for the for the New Japan Cup. Have the title shot. Mm-hmm. Be they're doing what? What are they doing? Like California in like July or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're still yeah. working like on how the yeah. filming is gonna work. Like like yeah. Like how, where it's gonna be aired? Who's gonna air it? You know stuff like that. Yeah, you, and, you could do that. Mm-hmm. And of you course, could do it uh, like that. <laughs> And, and of course, while this is going on, they still have to figure out the whole cold thing because there's obvious tension that's, between the that group. That was the next thing I was going to ask you. Is I I don't know this. I I don't know the New Japan schedule. And on mm-hmm. top of that, I don't even know how Ring of Honor would tie into it. Is there going to be a chance to do this later if, on? If they do it, then it'll probably be in Ring of Honor, like Omega working against them there. I don't see how they could fit in. Uh, them doing it in Japan, especially with yeah, especially with the fact that I mean Cole's gone probably by May. Yeah, are they going to be able to you know like I was like that was the weird thing, and I know everything was rushed last year, but mm. Cole, you know, Cole, put it this way, like you know I love Nakamura, he's great and all, but we talked about before that was bad business how he left. Cole's not like that. Cole will you know if. He's the kind of guy, like, if they tell him to do something, like, they'll do it. Uh, way, like, old, old story. 
uh, way back when, right before Jay stopped watching Ring of Honor, because he always mentions how he was a big Ring of Honor fan, and then he stopped watching. When Matt Hardy came to Ring of Honor, like back when he was in the early pretense of what would eventually be Big Money Matt, that character where he was like with the Kingdom, if you remember that, Adam Cole was like a, a clean-cut baby face, if you recall. He was like a TV champion. Uh, Matt, Hardy, Matt Hardy had singled out Adam Cole. And so the idea was they were going to do Cole versus Hardy for, like, the TV title. And uh, Hardy was going to put him over. Then something happened, and they changed their mind at the last moment. I forgot. They had Cole drop the belt to somebody else. I forgot who he dropped it to. I can't remember. It's been a long time. Yeah. He dropped the belt to someone else. It was really random, too, because they had been building yeah. it. Cause, because when Hardy came back, he came because Kevin Steen was still there. I remember there was a segment where, like, uh, Steen was there, and he walked up to He didn't to drop it to Taven, did he? He may have dropped. He had a draft at the Taven. It was either Taven. Let me check. Or, yeah, I don't remember. It's been a while. Let me let me check. I I know what you're talking about. He he was running with the yeah. He was running with the TV title really good, and then it was like I remember reading results one night, like the next day, and I was like, wait, what? He lost the title? Hang yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Hang on, we're gonna we're gonna go about 20 more minutes. I gotta take care of a few things, but let me let me look this up in the meantime. Um. This has yeah, to have like been, was, like, 2013-ish, probably. TV title. Yeah, this, it was weird. It was like the like when Ishii won. Yeah, it was random. You didn't it see like, it coming. Okay. Yeah, all right, hang on. Adam Cole. Yeah, Taven. Yeah, it was Taven. At the 11th anniversary show. Yeah, he drafted the Taven. It was random because Matt Hardy mm-hmm. came in, and when Matt Hardy came in, he singled out Adam Cole. And I remember there was this weird segment where Kevin Steen walked up to Hardy, and he was like, get the fuck out of my company or something. So they built it up for a while, and then he drafted That was during it. Scum. Yeah, that was during Steen, the Scum That was angle. the whole thing with Scum. Steen didn't want Hardy. And then right. they, tur- they all turned on Steen. Which then turned him face, if I yeah. remember. Right, yep. so I, I remember Cole was, uh, Cole, they drafted to him, uh, they drafted to Taven, and I remember, like, uh, you know, a lot of fans were upset, but uh, Cole did business anyway, like, so he wasn't mad or whatever, so he's the kind of guy that pretty much, like, like they, you can tell him, hey, I know we were going to do this, but instead we're going to do this, and, like, Cole, he'll, he'll do, he's pretty easy to work with, so. I think he's but, losing, I think he's dropping it to Daniels. To be honest with you, yeah. he's probably going to drop with the Daniels, and then after he drops with the Daniels, probably during that period of time, uh, Omega will probably like do a one-off appearance at Ring of Honor, and they will probably have to do the match there, because I don't I don't see how he could uh, um, go back to Japan. I don't see it anywhere in his schedule because there's not enough time. I was just gonna, yeah, that, that's what I didn't see. Like, where, when is, <clears throat> when is the Japan, you know, for for them? Either that or they'll just do what they did with AJ, you know, like where they'll like be a group tag match or something, and and then just out of nowhere, like the Bucks will just turn on them or something. I mean, I doubt. But you know what I think you'll get with that, unlike with the AJ thing, I don't think the I don't think it will be as random. I think you'll see they'll they'll lose. They'll well, not even that. They'll lose the tag match. They'll miss. I could see it being a case where they like miscommunicate and they misfire. And it leads to one of them getting rolled up and pinned. And then they're arguing, and the Bucks are trying to play Peacemaker. And I could see Cole, like, throwing a shot at Omega 
and then be like, come on, guys, let's get them. And then the Bucks turn around and turn on Cole. Cole. Yeah. 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 yeah I, uh, that's, that's, that's where I could see it all going. I, I could mm. see it go. I could see it going down like that, especially since it's gonna it's gonna be so fucking rushed. Yeah, you know? that's the problem when they sign like these extensions and stuff. But, but the you know. problem is, I'm gonna be honest with you. To me, the problem more so is is that okay, you you knew Cole was leaving, and and I don't even pin this really on Ring of Honor because I feel like this is more of a New Japan angle. You knew Cole was you know Cole's probably not coming back. You know, but the problem is you can't do it this early either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? Everyone, Everyone's kind of handcuffed on this. Everyone's kind of handcuffed in, in reality at the end of the day. Do, yeah. we have an, do we have an update on O'Reilly? I haven't heard anything about him. Uh, the last I heard, and I think I said it was, but I haven't heard anything since, was supposedly they were starting very light background testing, but I heard with with the Ring of Honor guys, they want them to be cleared like 90 days. Oh, okay. Before they really, really start getting, but I heard they were doing some, I heard they were doing some, you know, of the lesser background stuff just to get the ball rolling. That's what I had heard, you know. Okay, well, this would be a, this would be a bad time to debut anyway. So much stuff is yeah. going on. Yeah, he, he, yeah, you, you'll see. Yeah, he'll be he'll be later in the summer or early summer, whatever around there. You know, you know where he may have to wait. He might have to wait. Supposedly they're going to do the draft in June or July. Vince said on the conference call, he may have to. He may it may be make better sense for him to wait. Let NXT get gutted. And then go in as part of like this new wave of NXT talent. Yeah, that seems like the better smart move. You know. All right, all right. So this leads me to uh, my, uh, I guess you could say, uh, my rant or whatever, because uh, you know a lot of fans are like, "Oh, wait, Tove, like we'll see where it goes." It's like, nah, we don't, we don't have to wait. Uh, we see What's where this? it's going. We, we see where it's going. So I'm gonna donate this time to talk about the, how stupid it is to do. Uh, AJ versus Shane, and not only is it stupid, I can give you three alternatives, one of which is already being talked about, and I can give you two reasonable alternatives. See, the thing is, is that I, I know, you know how this big man thinks. Hang I on know a how... second. Hang mm-hmm. on a second. AJ Shane is beyond a doubt a stupid idea. It is. Let's, because I, I got about 18 minutes. I got I to gotta run somewhere. Let's jump into the alternatives. Because talking about how stupid of an idea AJ Shane is, it would be like me telling you it's Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I have like three alternatives, all of them that okay. make sense. And here's okay. the and here's and the I'll dumb. give you one if it's different from what you have. Okay. Well, firstly, like I know how Vince thinks, so I already know what their excuse is going to be. The dumbest thing about all of this is that from the kayfabe standpoint, Daniel Bryan's the one that booked all this crap, not Shane. Daniel Bryan was the one that booked the match against John Cena. Daniel Bryan was the one that told AJ in advance that even if he won the belt, or even if he retained that Rumble, he was going to be defending it at Elimination no, Chamber. No, no, Shane did, did that. that. No, so he's the Shane, one that booked that one. Shane made the Chamber announcement, not but, Bryan. Yeah, but he was the one that told Bryan in the, in, in the ring segment, though. 
There was the ring segment. No. I remember where he told him yeah, that. Yeah, but Shane did. Remember the SmackDown right before the Rumble? They said Shane was going to kick off with a major announcement. Yeah, yeah. That was it. That no matter what happens at the Rumble, who, whoever the WWE champion is, is defending the title in the chamber. Shane who booked made the Rumble that. match? I mean, who booked the match at the Rumble? Was that Brian? Probably. And then the triple threat match the night after Chamber, that was also Brian. That was Brian, yeah. But the Chamber match, was, in all fairness, was Shane. All right, so the Chamber match was Shane, the Rumble match was Brian, and the triple threat match was Brian. The Battle Royal was also Brian. So that's four matches, one of them booked by Shane, mm-hmm. three yeah. of them booked by Brian. So yeah. based off that, AJ should be more mad at Brian, not, at, not Shane. So based off that logic... You could basically but have AJ. But did you AJ's... watch Talking Smack last week? Yeah, where he was like, oh, I think Shane would have did a better decision. So that's, that's their way. That's where they're going to go with it. That's yeah, where they're going to yeah, go with yeah, it. It's, that's it's Brian, dumb. That AJ's going to expect Shane to turn around and be like, you're right, AJ. And Shane's going to be like, no, I'm not changing it. And that's, that's well, where they're, yeah, they're going to go with yeah, it. Yeah, the story basically is like since Shane's the owner, like, and Daniel Bryan is the general manager, they're going to be like, well, Shane didn't disagree with Brian's decision, which is they're gonna they're gonna use that as an excuse to leeway mm-hmm. to AJ yep. Shane, which is just lazy. But based off that book, I look though, at it this real quick. I don't mean to cut you off, but real quick, if you really think of the crux of it, AJ's not asking for anything unreasonable. Yeah, he's not. It's kind of AJ similar to what champion. happened to Brett in '97. AJ's a champion who lost his title, and all he wants is his one-on-one rematch. Yeah, kind of like Brett. You know, it's very similar yeah. to Brett. You know, yeah. So, so based off this, based off the thing of what I just said, AJ should be more mad at Brian than Shane. So you mm-hmm. could have AJ, you know, basically call out Brian, be like, you know, you're, you know, you, you're a bad GM, you're bad for SmackDown, blah blah blah. And Brian's like, well, you know what? I can't fight you, but I know someone that can fight in my stead. You know, that's where Nakamura comes in. They already have a history. They had that last mm-hmm. match at Wrestle Kingdom together. Nakamura pretty much said on Twitter, hey, I don't think you have a match at Mania. Let's yeah. do something. You know, so if you did AJ versus Nakamura, that's a Mania match. Nobody will complain, blah, blah, no. blah. That's probably not going to happen since Nakamura is going to end up on Raw. But that's an alternative. Alternative number two is pretty much everything I just said, the same except instead of AJ being, we can go your route, where AJ's mad at Shane and he's not mad at Brian. And then AJ's like, you know, Shane, you're a shitty owner. You're bad for SmackDown. You don't even want to be here, blah, blah, blah. You know, so let's fight. And then Shane's pretty much like, well, you know, I'm not really a full-time performer anymore, but I know someone that can fight on my stead. And that's where Kurt Angle comes in. And Kurt Angle has also said himself in numerous he interviews. AJ. Yeah, he said he could have one last match. He'll fight AJ. That makes sense. AJ's fought, AJ has fought uh, AJ several times in TNA, so they already are familiar with each other. They already have good chemistry. Basically, it's just fighting on a bigger, grander stage. If AJ, if you were to tell fans right now, Kurt Angle can only wrestle one more time. If he fought against AJ, nobody will complain. That's the WrestleMania yeah. match, whatever. One last alternative. This is like a wild card, and this is probably like a wild card that probably is random at first, but it totally makes sense. You could basically have it where, like, okay, where they're at right now is they did the Rumble thing last week. AJ and Harper are going to have their match tonight. Um, find some way to have Harper beat AJ. I just don't see Harper beating AJ clean. Not saying that he – I mean, it would it would be nice. I just don't see it. I don't I don't see how he beats AJ clean. I see some type of shenanigans. Oh, he's totally to, going to – no, he's totally going to – he's totally going to lay out just, AJ with the discus clothesline. No. I just don't see that. 
I don't see AJ losing to Luke Harper. Because the story that I see, the story that I see is that AJ is continually screwed over. Like I'm seeing a Bret Hart like '97 mm-hmm. feel, like how Bret was continually screwed and like no one seemed to care because it was Mania season. That's what I'm seeing here. I'm seeing some type of crazy run-in that's gonna like indirectly distract AJ or something like that. I mean, if Harper beats AJ clean, great. I mean, I wouldn't complain. I mean, we've seen I it before. I mean, we've seen Cesaro beat Orton clean on Mania season, yeah. so I guess anything's possible. But that's what my gut is telling me. My gut is telling me we're gonna have some type of indirect distraction that will cause to AJ losing, and I only feel that way because it seems the story they're telling is that AJ is, is wrongfully screwed over, and yet, like, the GMs or the owners don't seem to care. But for the sake of argument, regardless of how AJ loses, regardless if he loses clean or he loses unclean, whatever, Harper beats him, right? So, like, in this story, you could have AJ basically be like, hey, I'm being screwed over, blah, blah, blah. Like, I never got my one-on-one rematch. You You put my rematch in a triple threat match, like, you know, the Battle Royale thing was dumb. Like, you know, I feel like there's the powers are against me, blah, blah, blah. You know, so you could go like the Bret Hart kind of R-Truth conspiracy route sort of, mm-hmm. and Brian's pretty much like, well, it's done, what's done is done. You know, you can get your title shot after Mania. Right now our match is already booked. You know, AJ's like, you know, give me Shane, give me Shane. And then Brian's pretty much like, well, Shane's not here, blah, blah, blah. So basically you just kind of leave AJ shut up, the, you know, shut up the creek, no, no paddle or anything. So you can have AJ cut promos leading up to Mania where he's like, well, Bray knows he can't beat me in a one-on-one match. You know, Cena, he's not on my level. He's too busy fighting his wife's battle. Randy Orton, he's too busy being, you know, uh, Bray's puppet and luke harper he's not on my level blah 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 there's no one here on smackdown that's worth my time so i'm gonna you know basically just have aj come out just kind of like vent and frustrate kind of like how brett used to do like you know i'm the phenomenal one i'm the face that runs the place now i don't even have a match at wrestlemania you know there's nothing for me to do blah 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 so then finally after two to three weeks of him complaining you could basically be like, I'm going to have an open challenge to anybody at Mania. And then, you know, the lights go out and you think it's Taker. Then when the lights come back on, you see a, a video vignette and they just simply show the demon on the, uh, on the Titantron, the demon. You know, and um, when you can do Balor versus AJ. Mm. From what I understand, Balor, he's going to be working live events in yeah. March. I know he just returned at NXT and he's going to be working like uh, live events in March. The problem is, is that by the time he comes back on WWE, okay. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. okay. So, so uh, basically, from from what I gather, uh, Balor is going to be working live events in March. Uh, yes. He just came back for NXT. 
Um, really, I'm just doing my math correctly. The thing is, is that by the time he's reintroduced on uh, WWE Raw television, um, it's probably truthfully going to be about two to three weeks left until Mania. So there may not be uh, enough time for him to build a meaningful match. So I feel like oh, by there, doing... there is, there is, him and Joe. Well, we'll, we'll see what they're going to do depending on the Rollins thing. Well, yeah. the Rollins thing. That's, so what that's I would what it do. May hinge, that's yeah. what it may hinge on. It may hinge on, and from all intents and purposes, everyone seems to think Rollins is going. The reason why Triple H is also working the live events is to get into shape for Mania, and apparently, yeah, for whatever from what I understand. From what I understand, it's Triple H, Owens, and Joe against Jericho, Balor, and Zayn. Yeah, okay, that's fine. That's cool that he's yeah. working live events. So that's that's what I would do. I would have uh, Balor just, you know, answer AJ's call. And, you know, since we're doing the brand stuff again, you know, one of the cooler things about the brand stuff Always at Mania, you got a Raw vs. SmackDown match. Yeah, there's always like an interpromotional brand match. And and usually if you have two big names, the story isn't needed. And so by having AJ versus Balor, it has the, you know, the Bullet Club undertones. But this Mm -hmm. wouldn't just be a random match in my booking. What it would be is uh, I would have this be in the middle of the card, and it would be, you know, AJ versus Balor. But I would use this match – for a future setup, so when the next draft happens, let's just be real here, we, we know what's going to happen. When the next draft happens, they're going to, unfortunately, draft AJ to Raw. Yep. They're going to they're gonna draft AJ to Raw, and so then you'll have AJ, you'll have Balor, and then you'll have the club uh, on, on the same show for, for one night. And then what you could do there is you could tease, like, you know, a big club reunion, and then you could have uh, basically Anderson and Gallows uh, join Balor and turn on AJ. So, like, do a double turn. So that's how you could turn Balor heel, and then you could turn AJ face. So I would use the momentum of that match for a double turn because let's be real here, AJ's not booed anyway. He's never no. he's ne- he's never been a convincing heel ever. You you can't boo the things that he does and stuff like that. So these are the three alternatives. So AJ versus Nakamura, AJ versus Angle, or AJ versus Balor. I feel like that these are three reasonable alternatives. These are three WrestleMania matches that sound like WrestleMania matches, and if you went with either one of these, I feel like the fans would not complain. AJ versus Shane is just stupid. The reason it's stupid is because, like, not to bring up Punk again, but it's like when Punk was saying, like, when he's working these matches against guys like Lesnar and guys like Taker and, like, they're gone afterwards, like, what is it doing for him? What is it doing for the stories that they're telling? It isn't doing anything for AJ. Unlike Punk and... and while the match itself might not be sexy for AJ, Punk's whole thing was what's next. Right. At least AJ will have options. I've heard that like AJ is, for the t- remaining time he's on SmackDown, is going to be put right back into the world title scene, which kind of ties into what I would do real quick. Mm-hmm. I'd have AJ Harper go to a bullshit finish tonight. Mm-hmm. Bullshit finish. And I'd have Brian say, fuck it. You know what? I, I, I can't keep doing this every week with you guys. It's going to be a triple threat at Mania. You know? And you have a, Brian be like, listen, AJ, this is the best I can do. This is the best I can do. And then Orton will jump in with the whole bullshit of, oh, I'm going to be in the match to protect you. We all know it won't. And the best part about the Wyatt implosion is, is that AJ could walk out with the title, and then you could still get 
whatever the Wyatt Orton angle is going to be. With you know, wait, so so wait, and, you would do Harper, Bray, and AJ with Orton not in the match? No, I would put Orton in the match. Have Orton be like, listen, I'm going to cash in my title shot, but I'm doing it to protect you. But that would make you it know? a fatal four-way then. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, do it oh, as a okay. fatal four-way. Okay. You know, and then, of course, like I said, you have the big Wyatt implosion, whatever, and then AJ walks out with the belt. AJ mm-hmm. walks out with the belt. And then you have the Wyatt Orton thing be its own separate story out of it. And then you could have, you know, whoever chasing AJ next. You know, I, I, could, I would do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think I, I would do that, although I got a bad feeling AJ's eating two discus clotheslines tonight and, and – is getting pinned. I, I really do, unfortunately. Well, AJ's um, very—he's very selfless. He's one of the more selfless. No, I know uh, that. I know that. Guys, I'm just saying so from, a, from a booking perspective, mm-hmm. it's going to drive me crazy. That, and this is not a knock on Harper, but this is just how good AJ's been in the year that he's been here. Is that, you know, uh, AJ I could be wrong. A, I just AJ don't deserves see it. a little better than yeah, he does. said to Luke Harper. And that's not a knock on Harper, you know, it's just, you know, give AJ something better. And the problem with the AJ-Shane storyline for me is when you look at it, and I know I said this a little while ago, and I'm going to wrap up on this, is AJ's not wrong, and you think that crowd is going to boo AJ? They're not. Absolutely it's, not. It's, it's dumb. And, what, and, the, and the thing about it is, as I've said it before, is that a lot of fans have tried to defend the idea by saying that Shane has had a lot of unusual matches on paper that turned out to be good. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, he has, but those matches were nearly two decades ago. Like, with all due respect but to Shane. But it's not even that. Like, don't get me wrong. Shane will sell the phenomenal forum as if he got shot in the head. I have no doubt about it. Shane will bounce off that Styles clash and make it look vicious. I'm not worried about that aspect of it. The problem is, it's just, AJ doesn't need to need this. He doesn't need it at all. That's my problem with it. And I know disrespect think... to Shane. His last two, if his last two matches were any indicator, like he's just not in ring shape anymore. He was gassed out completely in that Survivor Series match, like two minutes in. And his match with Taker was completely atrocious. The little segment they had on Raw, you know, where Taker, like, tried to choke slam him through the table, and then, like, Shane countered, and he did the elbow. Mm -hmm. Like, that was cool. You know, to me, me, that that moment right there is, like, if you have smoke and mirrors, if you protect Shane, he can still do, like, crazy segments. But, like, if we're just talking one-on-one, absolutely not. That's just, no. You mean to tell me AJ's going to sell, like, those ridiculous punches? (laughs) No, but, but AJ will sell this, the the big elbow drop. AJ will sell the coast to coast, you know. And like I said, Shane will probably go out of his way to, like I said, he'll sell the phenomenal form like like the side of his head got shot off. I yeah. I have no doubt about that. It's just what are we? Why are we going here? You know, why are we going there's, here? There's there's no reason. They for only some because, reason, like I said, only because AJ deserves. Better for Mania this year. That, they, that's they what think, it's about. What they, what uh, to me, it's like uh, they didn't learn from last year. It's like they think just having a random match on paper is going to generate like buzz and it's going to do something, but it's not like. And that's what they did last year with Shane but and it's Taker. Gonna gen- the problem is, 
the problem is, in with the if this had been building up, let's say AJ dropped the title at Survivor Series instead of Royal Rumble, and this had really, really been building up. Like, there's really this tension between Shane and, and AJ. As crappy as the match would be, at least it's like, all right, by the time it's not going to happen tonight, so you're looking at the earliest next Tuesday, what do you got as far as time left for this thing to really manifest? And it's mm-hmm. probably not even going to happen next Tuesday because next Tuesday is probably going to be Shane comes back, and that's when AJ expects everything to be fine. So you're probably looking at the Tuesday after. Mm-hmm. You know, That's what's that's, not helping either is, you know, like you just said, Shane's not there every week. And I, and I kind of appreciate that because I see what he's trying to do because he's trying to do the opposite of Stephanie because Stephanie's right. there every week. So, like, by having Shane show up, it's like, okay, like, I like how when Vince shows up, like, you know something's going down because mm-hmm. Vince rarely shows up. And so Shane, Shane's but going for that same for thing. Match. You know, not he's, to build for a match. That's right, the problem. Right, right. It's, it's like reverse. And in their head, mm-hmm. they, they probably think AJ Shane is a is a big match, but it's just it's not the match AJ At a different be time. Like, if you wanted to come out of WrestleMania, like, if you would have had, let's say they keep the same storyline, AJ not getting his title shots, and whatever, they put AJ in with whoever, Nakamura, Angle, this, Balor, whoever. And you could still have AJ be, like, frustrated. You know, if you want to come back, I don't even know what the post-WrestleMania pay-per-views are for Raw, SmackDown, whatever. And you want to do that match, and you want to do that match then, Mm. you know, like, you could have AJ be like, I don't know what's left to do. Maybe I have to kick your ass. You know, something like that. Then it would be fine. I would have no problem with that on a secondary pay-per-view. April, May, June. I would have no problem with it. This is like the reverse of Triple H, Brian, except... That fans wanted to see that, and there's not really an outcry to see this. Uh, I guess before we go, the last thing I got to say is uh, currently, right now, of all the matches that's going to happen, you know, like at you know Takeover, uh, Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, Mania, uh, I've just been going through some of the NXT stuff. The one match where I'm just kind of scratching my head because I, I don't really know what they're going to do. Is it looks like at Takeover we're gonna get a triple threat: the Authors of Pain, DIY, and the Revival. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of scratching my head there because it's kind of like uh, I don't have uh, no disrespect to NXT, but that tag division is kind of empty right now. Yep. So uh, the problem is you want Revival to go up. You can make a case for DIY, and that's great. The problem is if it's AOP, who's left? And the no only options yeah. that are left is sanity. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so That's it. That's I'm kind of cons- concerned there. So I guess I know that they have a bunch of, like, uh, I don't even know what the word to use. I know they have a bunch of, like, other teams, like, you know, the heavy machinery dudes. Like, I know they have, like, dudes yeah, that they, they have. I don't, they haven't really done any. I mean, they've been on right. TV, but they haven't been right, right, right. on what I mean TV. Is, you get I, what I I'm saying. Like, yeah, I know they have a lot of, like, teams like that that work live events. So if they have Authors of Pain go over, then they're going to have to, like, just do a complete, like, uh, revamp of that tag division. And I guess a lot of these teams that don't work TV are now going to suddenly be used. Cause... Here, here's my fear with this match. Revival's going up to the main roster. This is my fear, which is fine. They're due to go. They can go. They can feud with Alpha, whatever the case may be. Right. My other fear is... Gargano and Champa are finally going to break up. That's fine. And that's I mean, fine. They're, they're that's fine. 
That's no. fine. Well, not even for cruiserweights. That would be a great feud in NXT, especially if NXT is going to get gutted, you know, or lose a couple guys to post-mania call-ups. That's fine. You put a different dynamic on your undercard. The problem is, <coughs> again, it all comes back to what are we doing with AOP after this? Yeah. That's that's the problem. That's the problem. There is nobody that you can make a case for winning those belts that you could turn around and say, okay, well, what are we doing next? The Revival don't need the belts. They don't. I, I guess they don't they'll need just the have they a long run, run like the Ascension did until they can figure out what to do. Maybe. Uh, is there going to be like a tag match or something at at, at at TakeOver? Because I saw like Balor came back and saved Nakamura. That was so. dark. That was dark. Oh. So he's not working at, So he's not working no. a match down there. He probably no. should, to be honest with you. Just to familiarize fans with him again, because he really didn't do enough on the main roster, but whatever. Uh, so, what, uh, who's Asuka fighting? What's that about? It looks like it's Ember Moon. Didn't she lose that number one contender match? Yeah, but that... Uh, yeah, but... Is there an injury? Did someone get hurt? No, that match is... The title match is happening on TV. Oh, so has the match happened yet? No, it hasn't happened as of yet. Oh, who's she fighting? Peyton Royce. She hmm, won. The, Peyton Royce won the triple threat. So did they just give up on the, uh, on that Nikki Cross chick? That's the thing. See, that's the one that. That's the one that's got me like. Yeah. Okay, I'm but kinda... what about her? That's yeah, the one. Because it was like. See, they here's had... what I would do, and, and I was on Caden's show last week, and we got talking about. The problem with Ember Moon. And the problem with Ember Moon is she doesn't have that signature match or that signature win. Mm-hmm. And, what, and what I would have done at TakeOver was, you want to do Asuka against whoever? I, I would have brought in somebody for Asuka to face. I would have brought in Victoria or whoever. Have Moon fight Cross for the, you know... Mm-hmm. You don't have to make it officially well, for the number well, one contender, but the, are, are they the taped up to take over yet? They, they are they taped up. Yeah, they are. They're taped up to take over. Oh, great. Okay. And Cross Moon does not happen. So. Uh, well, I guess before we go, I would have done uh, that, and then yeah. have Moon beat Cross. Mm-hmm. Or here's what I would do, even real quick, real quick. I I, I got to because I I gotta go. Okay. Do Oscar Moon a takeover? But have Asuka win. But have it be hard-hitting and have it be a tight match. Okay? The closest mm-hmm. Asuka's come. Moon's begging, begging, begging for that rematch. They're going to have a June or July takeover somewhere that they don't need to have, but they're going to have it anyway. Mm-hmm. Do Moon cross there. And then, then have this Moon way, win. Moon, have Moon win. And then Moon goes on to t- Brooklyn, and then Moon could beat Oscar in Brooklyn. That's that's I think that's what works for everybody. But I got a bad feeling they're gonna rush it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Before before we go, the last thing, last word is really like uh, uh, casually the the one issue that NXT has, and I, I respect Hunter for why he does it because you know who he caters to, as we've mentioned before, 
NXT caters to the hardcore wrestling fan. So, like, when he debuts these folks, he just assumes that the fans know who they are. The problem, though, is there's a large amount of fans out there that may not know who so-and-so is. And so it's like if, if these people don't know who they are, then a lot of times there's, like, a disconnect. And no disrespect to, to female wrestling, but, I mean, yeah, obviously independent female wrestling, it is a thing. But a lot of fans, but even I know, I, I know, know a lot of hardcore, yeah, I know, I know a lot of hardcore wrestling fans that don't follow female. But it's independent not even wrestling. that. It's not even that because you know what the flip side to that is? They got Bailey, Sasha, Charlotte, Becky, Emma. They got them over. Without that, the problem is they brought everybody and their mother up, and they did nothing to refill the division. Mm-hmm. They did, you know, back. I mean, look at two years ago when Bailey was making that and, run. To and from Sasha. what I understand, and this is something that Nate brought up to me, I never really thought about it. Uh, apparently, you know, Dusty was a very important part of yes. you know the, the character development down there. And and yes. Nate, he Nate, he mentioned to me the other day that ever since Dusty passed, there's kind of been it's like been a rough. gap. You know, yeah, I never yeah, really, I never put missing. one. Yeah, I never something's put that missing, together. Yeah. That that could be onto something there. Yeah, because he, here's the thing. Even when Oscar was gearing up for Bailey, Oscar had Dana, she had Emma, she had Nia to work with. Mm-hmm. Okay, to build up. Even Bailey, Carmella she, had a character. But I'm saying just to build people up to that level where okay, it's time for them to get the title, and this is what Moon doesn't have, and it's not her fault. Mm. There's even Bailey had had. I remember in one taping, she beat Emma, Becky, and Charlotte mm-hmm. in one taping to build up to her getting the match with Sasha. Moon doesn't have that. The, the thing I keep hearing, and it's annoying me, is people keep saying, like, uh, oh, don't worry, like, you'll be a believer of her after the match with Oscar. And it's like, well, I don't deny that. It's just the problem is... The problem is I don't care should... about the match with Oscar. Right, right. Well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. To me, like, when it comes to a title defense, like if, if there's a challenger... You shouldn't care about the person after the match. You should right, already I should care, care about, them about going them. in. Right, and that's the problem, sort of. So, yep. uh, well. All right. Uh, we'll we'll do a show again on Friday. I'm sure. We'll, I, I have a feeling we're going to have some hardy news by then okay. too. You know, All right. Um, TNA tapes starting Thursday, so we'll see what they do. Even though Rebby Sky. In true Latina form, threatened to melt the tag titles into a big pair of gold hoop earrings. <laughs> um, so we'll see what happens. Supposedly, they've been trying to get the belts back, and no one seems to be able to confirm yet if they got them yet. Okay.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.